Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalker Podcast for the fans. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the most passionate fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Uh, happy Oscar Sunday, Jack? Yeah, that's something we can find to celebrate, I guess. Yeah, not a victory Sunday or week or anything like that. Not at all. How are you otherwise? I'm all right. Yeah, um, as long as I'm not thinking about what's going on with the club, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Oh, unfortunately, we're going to be doing a little bit of that here uh, for the next uh, few minutes, but uh, we'll try to make it quick so you know, we can move on with our lives, at least for the yeah. time being. <laughs> well, obviously, there's lots to get into tonight, uh, including injuries to Guido Bergstaller and uh, Weston McKinney. Oh, Weston, what am I saying? Weston, Weston McKinney, plus a resignation to talk about. So let's get right into it. Hit that transition music. All right, so the performances in the last week, Jack, uh, it went from bad to worse to disaster. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, we, we started off the second half of the season with a fairly difficult run of fixtures. Um, yeah. Obviously, we the beginning of the season, we, we lost all five of those opening matches, and you know the schedule repeats, and we just came out of a, a cluster of fixtures against Gladbach and, and Bayern, which I think realistically not many fans would have expected to win, but then after that, you have this this run of fixtures with uh, Freiburg, Mainz, and Dusseldorf, which is a significantly more favorable grouping. Um, so, you know, all the way back to, to last weekend, I was hoping that maybe that would be our opportunity to start to get something going in the campaign and, and try to salvage something from this season, but uh, a pretty dismal performance against Freiburg, a, a nil-nil draw at, draw at home, and then things did not improve over the course of the week from there no no they did not um you know before we get into the other two games in hand there were a couple injuries that were picked up uh Bergstaller was one he got an ankle injury against uh, an Otamendi challenge in the city matchup and also in that same game Weston McKinney picked up a hamstring injury uh, both are still to be evaluated get MRIs done um, at the time Bergstaller's injury looked really bad I don't I mean I don't know if you've heard anything any news but I have not and it I mean, at least it'll be a few weeks, I would think, uh, before he comes back, depending on the severity. And then Weston McKinney with a hamstring, you never know with those things. If it was just a minor tweak, it could be a couple couple games. Otherwise, it could be a really long time. I thought I saw something about the McKinney injury that says it wasn't going to be much longer than like a week, so he should be back oh, for good, the good, uh, good. the second Man City fixture. I'll have to double-check that, though. I haven't heard anything about the Bergstaller injury. And that one was just really... Unfortunate because he had he had only just come back yeah. from that longer term injury uh, and we've had so much 
injury trouble with the striker position, and Bergstar has been part of that. So to see him finally kind of get back into the squad and then get hurt right away was, uh, I mean, frustrating as a fan, but you also got to feel bad for him. 100%. And, um, you know, the game that both those guys got injured in, the Champions League match first leg against Manchester City, not many people would have guessed that, you know, the scoreline would have been what it was, first of all. Um, but the main thing was... Schalke fans knew they weren't going to get many much possession in the game. It just, you know, how were they going to uh, react and try to press uh, Man City and, you know, get them from their dominant ways, what they usually do in all their games. Uh, I thought Schalke started out very, very um, hesitantly. I don't know if they were scared or what. It wasn't until maybe like 15 minutes to the game where they started getting to the game. Um, they started getting better possession of the ball. Uh, more than I, you know, more than they had certainly in the beginning of the game. It just looked like they had some rust or hesitation in the beginning, and they finally got their speed up to the speed of the game. And you know, I'm not going to say we're not lucky that we got two penalties uh, that were that were called in our favor. They were penalties, in my opinion, and we got the goals. Bentaleb, Pentaleb, as we call him, uh, he steps up both times, gets the goals. Two-one um, going into halftime, and not many people would have saw that scoreline. I did. I did predict that scoreline uh, for breaking the lines thinking Schalke could win that by that scoreline and they were up at 2-1 I was shocked though that that was a score how about you oh yeah absolutely uh, I had pre-match predicted this being a 4-1 loss um, and City going in and winning fairly easily and it didn't end up going down the way and as you say halftime 2-1 lead at home uh, I think everyone was was shocked by that uh, I don't think the circumstances were particularly shocking because it's, it's Schalke getting penalties uh, nothing yeah, new there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't think anyone expected us to, you know, get two. B- yeah, break them down from from open play or anything. I knew. I think we we knew if we were going to have a chance, this one was probably going to be as a result of something like that. Uh, but yeah, you don't you don't see mistakes like that from Man City that often. And I, and I do think both of those decisions uh, were probably the right call. The handball is a little bit more sketchy. Um, and apparently, I heard something that Sine uh, might have been offside on the second one. Yeah. I did end up going back and watching that. Everyone was saying that like VAR missed that somehow. I don't know. So maybe Man City has some reasons to be upset about it. Um, but at the, yeah, it, it was still shocking that we go into halftime with that lead. I was not really knowing what to make it at that point. Now everyone and their mother knew once that scoreline was at halftime, two to one. You knew Shaka was not going to do much offensively. They're just going to try to lock up shop and try to you know minimize the amount of chances that City were having. And really. The back line was doing pretty well. The goal that they gave up, some people want to blame um, Salif Sane. Other people want to blame Ralph Fairman. I'm going to kind of split the difference and say they're both kind of to blame. More Fairman because he shouldn't have put uh, Sane in that position. However, I mean, the goal was a goal. And after that, I thought the team kind of stabilized and then they ended up getting the two goals. And, you know, for the most part, the defense was pretty pretty good. Bruma, I thought, was good. The, The whole back line, I thought, after that goal... Um, but then um, a funny thing happened, and Otamendi, who picked up a yellow on the handball that you mentioned on the first penalty, he gets a second yellow, and City are down to 10 men all of a sudden. And some people are probably like, oh, that's what we need, right? And we said this not too long ago that, you know, Schalke are one of those teams that don't do well when they're a man up. Um, and, and this game was uh, 100% evidence of that. Going back to the goal that we conceded for a minute, um, I, I am going to put that solely on the, the shoulders of Ralph Fairman, who continues to make 
inexplicable mistakes in goal. Yeah. Um, we had talked a while ago. I, I kind of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt heading out of the Vinterpause, but um, at this point, Nubel should be first choice. And there's not much to say about it, in my opinion. Um, he passes to Sonny when Sonny is not in a good position to receive that ball. He has his back towards any man city, but he doesn't know. Who, and the city players come in at full speed. Exactly, yeah. So not only does Fairman pass that when he shouldn't because it's putting him in a bad situation, he doesn't even communicate to Sonny that he has pressure on him. So he's not even being like, hey, I'm going to pass this to you, but by the way, you got to do something with this ball quickly. Um, it's just an absolute gift of a goal. I mean, once again, like if you're going to play a team like Man City, make them break you down. You can't yeah, be give them Yeah, if you're going to give them goals, you can't just give them goals like this. Like, it is the last team you want to do that against. You really got to make them earn it. It was the same thing with the Bayern Munich game. Like, when you're playing teams of that caliber, those are not the kind of goals you can concede. It's, it's so cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Fairman, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It, it, it was, it was abysmal. Luckily, we got those two penalties. But um, yeah, then as you say, second half, Otamendi gets gets the second yellow, gets sent off. So you know, not only are we ahead at home against Man City, we're ahead at home against Man City with a man advantage. Um, and I think the feeling from a lot of people instantly was we have to go press and try to win this win this game like score another one yeah and make it and make it three um and maybe some people think that that's ill-advised because that's gonna you know make us less compact and man city's gonna be able to break us down easier but i fully agreed with that line of thinking because i think man city can can beat you no matter what and in my opinion that that's a golden opportunity to put the pressure on them and try to nab a third and actually be in a legitimate shot to to, to win this this tie in advance to the next round of the competition. Um, and we really didn't do that. We became super passive and, and more defensive once we got that man advantage. And that, I think that's exactly what Man City would have wanted. And it ended up backfiring on us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I was thinking, I was hoping that they wouldn't sit back and, and, and try to defend, which they did for some, some reason. I was thinking at least, you know, hold on to possession. You have a man advantage. Just keep passing the ball around. And yeah, try to get a, 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 a goal or here if you can. But, Hold on to the possession. The more you have the ball, the less chances they have to score. And they weren't doing that at all. They started out like really briefly, and then they did retract it back to defensive nature. Um, and then obviously, <laughs> City looked more dangerous to ten men than they did the, you know, the previous you know sixty minutes with with eleven guys. And um, they started getting chance after chance. And um, soon as the substitution of Sane came and said that he was coming in the game, I said, okay, he's going to win it somehow or for them, or he's going to he's going to equal it up. And sure enough, he gets a free kick. Why were why, why we making stupid fouls in front of them? As the second or third foul at that point when they had the advantage in, in players were just outside their own box. And so you know one of them is going to bite them in the ass. And, of course, it's it's um, Leroy Sané coming up and steps up with a beautiful goal, doesn't celebrate. Um, I mean, nothing you could do about that. But I was like, dang it, there we go. Uh, five minutes left in the game, and, and Sané scores, and the game's going to go into a draw, but at least it's a draw. But still, we should have won that game. Nope. Uh, Shaka do what they do, and uh, Ochipka don't know what he was doing there. Uh, he f- he falls down with the wind blow, and um, <laughs> Raheem Sterling comes in, gets a goal past Fairman. They win three two. I think I tweeted. I was like, really? This is how they're gonna lose the game? Like, why am I surprised? Uh, why am I not surprised? Um, it was a terrible way to collapse as they did. And at the time, I thought maybe this will be. They can look at this some positives, like, hey, we scored two goals against City. We played pretty. Okay for the for the most part of the game against a big, uh, heavy favorite of a team like City is, but I think this as we saw this weekend, I think that deflated them big time. 
no one expected them to win this game. I didn't expect them to win this game. You didn't expect them to win this game. I don't think any of the fans expected them to win this game. But if you're up in the 84th minute, 2-1 at home with the man advantage against Man City, you have to win that game. Yes. You just do. And to not, I mean, signing whatever, it's a a world-class free kick. Friend of the show, James Thurgood, tweeted out earlier during the match. He was like, when when we had the lead, the unexpected lead, he was saying, oh, this is like visions of... Real Madrid 2015 when we you know went to the Bernabeu and beat them in the Champions League yep. and when I when I read that I was like uh, don't say that because Sané scored in that game <laughs> and then <laughs> and then naturally he comes in and does that and you know fair play to him he didn't celebrate which I which I appreciated he was you know yep. kind of apologizing to the Schalke fans for it um, but yeah I mean not much you can do about that world class free kick but that that last piece of of play it, that ball is is in Man City's third and then it just you know. It, Ederson launches it downfield. Ochipka, God knows what he's doing, falls over. Sterling runs in on goal. I don't know what position Fairman's trying to take up, but he gives Sterling like half the goal to look at. Yeah. It's an absolutely horrible piece of positioning from Fairman. Um, so I count that as his second bad mistake of the match. And, uh, you know, that's it. 3-2 three, three, Man City. I, I, it, it's it's so fr- like if if they would have lost this game as, as as I expected them to lose this game, it wouldn't have been as bad. It wouldn't have been a big deal. But the fact that they did it in this way is is literally the last thing this team and the fan base needed at this point in the season, giving everything we've had to endure. Um, it, it was it was really just so cruel that it had to end that way. Um, and, and now we put ourselves in a very difficult position going into the second leg where I think the most direct route to victory is a 2-0 win at the Etihad, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, just horribly, horribly frustrating. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it clearly did affect the team negatively because the performance we ended up seeing against Mainz on the weekend, um, was awful. And you have to think that maybe that Man City game had something to do with it, I was. I, I sent this out on Twitter, you know, maybe it was today or yesterday, I forget. But what I had been hoping was that playing a team of Man City's quality um, and having to contend with a team like that would make our performances against lesser Bundesliga sides better going forward. Right. Um, like it would be easier to play against the teams that we normally play against once we've been exposed to a team that good. Um, and clearly that that's not how that works because um, I think that might have been the worst performance of the entire season, the, the performance we put in against Mice. I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think you're right. I mean, uh, yeah, the scoreline we had against Eintracht was a bad one, 3 nothing or 3-1, whatever it was, but this was ineptitude for the 90 minutes. This looked like they didn't know what to do. Mainz looked like they were a dangerous team when we, in fact, know they're not a dangerous team at all. Yeah, sure. Uh, Onis- Onisu and uh, Mateta, they're, they're pretty decent uh, strikers or, or attacking players, but still, they shouldn't be dominating you like, like Mainz did. And I thought that, you know, the City game obviously deflated them. And a big thing in that game where it really changed, other than, you know, City going down a man, is when Weston McKinney went out, it seemed like they lost their punch. Uh, they didn't have the same pit bull fighting. They didn't have someone out there who was going after balls and, and try to try to get the game by the scruff of the neck, like when McKinney was out there, and then he didn't even get to play in the Mainz game, and it just showed like the team had nothing. That, you know what? That, that's another problem too. Here, here's the thing. I know we're, we're Americans, we're biased towards Weston McKinney, and he has not been perfect. There's a lot of this game he needs to work on. But 
recently especially, Weston McKinney has consistently looked like one of the best players out on the pitch. And I'm sorry, yes. at his age and at his stage of his development, at a club as big as Schalke, he should not be the best player on the team. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy that he is, but like to me, that's more of an indictment of, of the other players we have around him, that he is consistently looking like one of the only competent people in our squad. It, it's so frustrating. It's, just, it's a team right now of, of, of players that just look completely lost. And I mean, I, I want to put a lot of it on, on Tedesco, but I, I think the players deserve a lot of it too, because it, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about it. Sorry, I, I, I needed to jump in and rant there for a second. It's, it's super <laughs> frustrating. No. I think the, the McKinney performances, I, I think, are the extent to which he's standing out. I, it seems to me is more of a symptom of how bad the rest of the squad is playing than how great he's playing in particular. Yeah, I don't yeah. think his game has changed any from this season to last season or whatever. It's just everybody around him is the performances have changed so much that he's standing out even more doing the normal things that he does in every match. Yeah. It is frustrating. And, and so he didn't play in the Mainz matchup. Um, we're on the road at Mainz, and <sighs> Mainz say they took it to Schalke, basically. Uh, they scored a goal, a beautiful goal, the first goal, no doubt. And then you got to take your hats off to Onisiwu with the, with, the, with the strike. I don't know what the defense was doing in that play. Nothing. Nubel, who started this matchup, by the way, nothing he could do about it. Um, they end up giving up a second goal later in the second, early second half, mid-second half to Mateta, wide open. Yes, the pass uh, from Onisiwu, or not Onisiwu, Donati, um, was deflected. But still, Mateta, who's a huge striker, you can't miss this guy, was wide open in front of the goal. He has a free free chance at a header, scores a goal, uh, bottom right, and then Anissi with another goal late in the game, 3 nothing. I mean, it was just, I mean, they deserved to lose 3 nothing. It, was, it wasn't even close. Sometimes you can say, oh, you know, they got lucky. No, they didn't get lucky. They, they dominated that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were the only team on the pitch from the very beginning that looked like they had any interest in winning that game. Um, Schalke had no discernible plan. Of any kind, defensively or offensively, um, it, it was it was a dominant performance from Mainz, and I don't know if Tedesco's just lost the team, and they're just, they don't they're not listening to him, or they they don't understand what he's trying to get them to do, because um, I, I, I <laughs> I'm at a loss for words on this podcast a little bit tonight. I, like like I said earlier, I think that may have been the worst performance of the season. Um, we've had a lot of bad performances this year. I don't think I've seen. I'll say this. In all of my time watching Schalke, I have never turned off a match early. Regardless of how the match is going, I, I watch it to the end. I mean, mostly just so I can talk about it. But um, <laughs> I turned this game off in, I think, the 86th minute or something because I was just done with it. Because there, there was nothing to watch for anymore. It, it was that bad. Um, and I don't Mine's, know. Mine's going to score a lot more, too. They missed a lot of chances. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I don't know where we go from here. Um, the, the season's over. I mean, it may, maybe something could happen to DFP Pokal, but given the way we're playing, I don't think anyone expects that to be the case. And uh, we're at a point in the Man City tie where that's probably over. So the season's done. I mean, we can't, we're not going to make Europe. Um, and, and at this point, we are five points off of relegation. So there's, I mean, we don't need to panic in that sense yet, but. Given the way things are going, this I think this is going to be a conversation for the rest of the year, and the fact that we're talking about that is 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 mind boggling yep. with a club of this uh, of this size. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, shocker. Sit. So they're 18 points off of the Champions League spot, uh, maybe even more than that. 
And then off of the Europa League, the last Europa League spot, they're 14 points behind. Yeah, that it's Europe's not going to happen unless they win the DFB Pokal and, and get a get a berth that way. Um, it's not going to happen. That's really the only they have to put all their eggs in that basket. Frankly, um, yeah, the City matchup again should not be a win. I mean, it's very very unlikely that they're going to win. Yes, they should win. Uh, we'd like them to win, but it's not going to happen. And if they do, oh my goodness, that'd be. I, it'd be good for the team. I think if they somehow got a win, which they're not, uh, it would it could change the season's trajectory from there. But um, being realistic about it, it's probably going to be a, a loss, especially at City, because City's fantastic. Not only anywhere they go, it's just especially at home. So put that aside, and then you look at the rest of the matchups of the season, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tedesco has to take a lot of the blame on this, for sure. It's I don't understand. Like you said, I don't know if it's the team not getting what he's saying, or that... I don't think he's lost the locker room yet because the interactions he has with the, with the players it still looks like there's chemistry there, but they're just not performing for him. So, I mean, I guess that does show that he has lost it in, in a way. He's not – while he's able to pull on their, their heartstrings, I guess, he's not com- able to get the best out of them as they were last year. And we know last year they weren't – we weren't the greatest team, but we were getting results at least. Uh, things were bouncing. Our, we had a lot of things going on our way last year. But this year, it just seems everything that was going well for us last year is not even coming close to being on our side this year. This team has no idea how to put the ball in the back of the net. Offensively, they're just not they there at all. They have no idea. It, they never look like they're going to score. It, I mean, it, it, they just stumble into goals somehow occasionally, um, oftentimes via penalty decisions. But, I mean, th- th- how offensively inept is this team? It's shocking. And... And I know a lot of people criticize Heidel for the for the squad he's put together, but I'm sorry, like the players that we have, I think are good enough to be better than this. Yeah. So I, you can't just tell me that they all just don't care or something like that. I I I think it's an issue with Tedesco in that sense. I don't think he knows how to coach this team. Because this was, this was a problem last year too. I mean, anyone who's listened to us for any length of time. Go back last season, pick out a random episode that Richard and I had last season, and you will hear one of us, probably me most most of the time, saying, we cannot break down teams from open play. This is going to be a problem going forward because we can't keep relying on set pieces, penalties, this kind of stuff. We've been saying it for like well over a year. And then this year, all of those things dry up, and we still can't score. And so now now it's coming back to haunt us. The, the, the whole problem with this, the thing that makes it so sad, is it's so predictable. I mean, obviously, no one expected us to be in you know in this position in the table. But the the problems that we had last season, you could notice them if you cared to look for them. And and now we're seeing them, you know, really come to the surface. And um, it, I wish I was surprised by it, but I'm 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 kind of not. Like I mean, I didn't like I said, I didn't expect to be this bad. But we've been seeing this from the team for a while, and, and I think I don't I just don't think Tedesco has any idea how to fix it. I agree, and offensively, like you said, they look—they don't look like they don't know what's going on. Defensively, they well until this last week, they look like they at least had that going, but uh, it's just nothing is going well for them at the moment. He—they did go back to Nubel for this game, and he his his distribution is amazing. Still, you can still see it. I don't blame him for any of the goals that happened. Maybe the last goal, uh, he played his angle a little bit wrong, but other than that, I mean, you can't blame him. It was really. No one defending the players and giving them free opportunities to score and great shots, in, at least in the Mainz game. Um, yeah, I mean, look at it. So two years ago, we finished, what, 10th or something in the Vine Zero era. Uh, Tedesco comes in, finishes second, great. But then they dropped, what, to 14th now? And I mean, someone had to someone had to pay with that. After the game, the, you know, Tedesco made all the guys go confront the, confront the fans because 
Uh, the traveling fans deserve better than that, and uh, the fans uh, they let it, they let them have it, Jack. Uh, they 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 berated them for several minutes, and the players in Tedasco just stood there because uh, they had nothing they could say. Didn't they couldn't apologize? It's just you know you feel bad for the team for the fans who go out there and you know spend their money on uh, trying to support the team and they get that product. Yeah, I do appreciate that the team was uh, willing. To yeah. do that, as you said, I mean, these people spend. I mean, you and I are just watching from home, right? So it's not as big of a deal. These people are actually traveling to the matches, spending money to be there, and they're watching an absolute garbage product. So I appreciate the team willing to confront those fans and and, and hear them out. Um, you know, to to the fans that are giving them the finger and everything, I obviously don't agree with that. Right. Um, and I think that's a little bit overboard. But um, I mean, I'm frustrated too. I think we all are. It's 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 shocking the position that we're in in the table right now. It really is. I think what they did, Chalka, by going to the fans uh, right after the match was the better the better play because had they not, you don't know if the fans could have gone to the to their hotel and confronted them, stopped the bus. You've heard that those stories before from other teams where the fans don't get you know saluted after the game or the the team doesn't come salute them after the game, and so they go and stop the bus and show their frustration uh, then. So. Uh, I think Schalke approached it the correct way, uh, trying to de- deflate any kind of fires or put out any fires before they start by going to the going to the fans and let them um, voice their frustration. So, uh, kudos on at least on that respect. But uh, you know, with 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 the results the way they have been going this season compared to last season and the year before, something had to change. And you knew it was gonna with that result. I was fearing that you know this was Tedesco's last game, but it was somebody else's last game, and it was a resignation. Uh, Christian Heidel ends up tearing up his contract. Uh, he will leave Schalke at the end of the season, um, and assuming that they don't find someone before him before then. Um, but uh, are you shocked or surprised by uh, Heidel's resignation? I, I guess I'm wondering how voluntary it was. I mean, it certainly seems from the reports, at least I've seen so far, that it was a voluntary decision, but I'm wondering if there was some sort of top-down order and, and they let him do it rather than have him, you know, be sacked or something. Um, I mean, something's got to change. <laughs> so I, I don't know if the answer was Tedesco or if the answer was Heidel, and it remains to be seen whether or not Tedesco will be with us next season, but um, I, I'm not upset about something going on. Uh, last season was great, um, but, yeah, when when you look at it, um, it was 11th place, his his first season, losing five straight games to start the season. Was it six maybe that year? I forget. Five yeah. Yeah. Um, shot five, to yeah. second, but now we're back in back in 14th. And um, I'm sorry, over the course of three years, that's two pretty bad campaigns. And, and that's not good enough for a team that expects to be in and around Champions League qualification every season, who, whose goal is to try to compete for the league. Um, it's it's nowhere where, where it needs to be. And... Um, the team's not good enough, and ultimately that falls, uh, you know, at, at the feet of the sporting director. Yeah, and um, you know, this is one of the worst seasons in decades for Schalke, uh, no doubt about that. And Heidel, Heidel, you know, his name wasn't one called up to to be on the chopping block, and there are already rumors going around that uh, who will replace him. I know one of the names I've heard already was Jonas Bolt, um, the sporting director at Bayer Leverkusen, who's already said that. He is leaving the club uh, this summer, and uh, Simon Wolfus is going to take his place uh, there. So you know he's uh, he's going to be available. I don't know if he's going to be coming to shock or not. There's some other names that have been thrown around as well. 
Um, you do know, we do know that, you know, once a new sporting director comes in, Tedesco's role will be reevaluated and it depends on who comes in, whether they uh, like what they've seen from Tedesco or they'd want to go a different direction, bring in one of their guys. Um, what do you think of Tedesco's prospects? I mean, he's got to be, if he wasn't before, he is on the hot seat now. I, I like I said, I thought this game after this result, I said, oh, he's, he's got to be gone, but, um, you know, they went with they went another direction. They got rid of Heidel. Um, what do you see him? Do you think he'll make it out of the rest of the season? Uh, do you think the next person, next sporting director coming in, will um, fancy keeping him uh, for the for one more season? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think there's been sort of two schools of thought amongst Schalke supporters throughout this entire thing. And you know, the first one is that uh, the results haven't been good enough. And Tedesco at times looks like this is a job that's a little bit too big for him. And so as a result of that, he should be let go. But then the alternate view is that, um, you know, he is, he is held in, in high regard and he looks like one of the more promising young managers um, in the game, really. And if you let him go now on the basis of one bad season, you might end up regretting that several years down the road if he ends up, you know, going somewhere else and, and turning into the manager that a lot of people at least initially thought that he could be. Um, I guess there's, you know, the sentiment that we have him and maybe we have something good there and we should hold on to it and try to grow with him. But um, I'm conflicted on it and I, I don't know how the club is going to feel. I think I think maybe Heil stepping down is an indication that they potentially value Tedesco more. Um, once again, depending on how voluntary that decision from Heidel was. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be something that's going to have to be evaluated by the next person in that, in that job who fills in for Heidel. Um, and uh, it remains to be seen how that's going to shake out. Yeah, and it's, uh, I'm not too surprised that Heidel's name is the one that's called. I mean, I don't think, at least from signing-wise, I mean, yeah, we like the players that he brought in, right? But just those players that he brought in haven't done anything this season. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, we had the whole Vinesville debacle and, um, you know, losing. I'm sure a lot of fans will say, well, we lost Ben Covidis, we lost Naldo, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, it just Tedesco doesn't seem to have it offensively. He has it. I mean, I want to give him a chance. I'm still on Tedesco's side 100%. Well, maybe not 100, percent but I still I'm still on the side. But he needs to find a way to offensively make the team more attacking. Sandro Wagner for Mainz, he looked like he. Uh, granted, it was against Schalke. Um, at least they had offensive flair in their team. We have no offensive flair whatsoever. And occasionally in the midfield, if you know Harit's on his game and Bentaleb's on his game and McKinney, then you get some little bit of flair there. But other than that, I mean, we're 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 lacking big time. And I think Noble. The noble move was one of the better moves so far this season because um, at least at least from the back we can pass out now and the distribution is a lot better. Um, and then you got a, 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 a talented goalkeeper that you know hopefully can lead you going forward. But uh, you know if they're going to keep Tedesco, they're going to have to bring in some offensive help, uh, both player wise but also coaching wise. They need someone. You know how they have in the NFL, they have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They need to bring us off the offense and and try to help this team because this team is struggling mightily, and we cannot go for another season of this mediocrity or, or um, I don't even know what word, what harsher word I could use, but we're not scoring goals, plain and simple. And we need to change that. Set pieces, be damned, and and and, and penalty kicks. We need to get all open play uh, opportunities and. 
So if they can't bring in a coach to help Tedesco, then it has to be somebody else. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, there's the players don't look like they have chemistry. There's there's no ideas in in the side. There's little movement in front of the ball um, for people trying to make themselves available. It's just it's just garbage product to watch on the pitch right now, and. Um, I don't know. As far as Heidel goes, I mean, he's gotten a lot of criticism, and I think some of that's fair. But like, I don't think it's all been misses for him. You look at some of the players he has brought in. Um, you know, Mbolo is is decent, just struggling with injuries. Harit has been largely great. Um, yeah. Mark Oot, no one expected that to be a signing that didn't work out. Sebastian Rudy, that's a signing that no one expected to not work out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's brought in some, some kind of random players like toy shirt and stuff that hasn't really <laughs> gone the way we wanted it to, but I, I, I don't know who to blame. It's just sort of a weird situation at the moment. And, and maybe, maybe the end, maybe I'm just being too kind because I, you know, I, I like the club and I, I like both of these guys, Tedesco and Heidel as people. Um, and I like the way they carry themselves and the way they represent the club. And so maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt as a result of that. And I guess maybe some other soccer fans would just be like, it sucks. It's not good enough. Get them both out of there. But um, I, I'm not fully convinced that Heidel is the only problem. I, I don't think it's necessarily all him. I think Tedesco has a lot to do with it at the moment. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we get a new guy in there and whether or not Tedesco is given a chance to to turn it around. Because you have to think if he goes into next season as, as the manager and this starts off even, I'm not saying it's going to start off, you know, like another five game losing streak, but if this starts off even slightly shaky and we're, you know, six, seven matches in and things aren't going well, maybe he gets the ax real early. Right. Yeah. And it's a, um, I had a point I was going to make and I completely forgot. <laughs> oh man. That's what kind of night. Oh, that's what I was gonna say is, you know, you know, while Tedesco gets a lot of the blame, I think the players get a lot of the blame too. They're not just not performing the way they should be performing. Um, a lot of the players that were there last year, a lot of players, we know who kind of players these are. Um, we've seen them enough in the Bundesliga, not only with shock with other teams. They should be performing a lot better. And for whatever reason, they're not all on the same page and the performances are not consistent. Um, and that goes from everyone in the lineup. There's, I mean, there's not one person on that, on that team that's been playing consistent throughout the season. Even McKinney, uh, even though we're, we're big fans of him, he's not been playing consistent as well. And the team has like a lot of responsibility. It's, it's we can't point one finger to blame particularly because it's everybody really, and we don't know what to make of all this um, craziness. I just that's all I can call it. It's craziness because it's it's hard to believe. And it went from that city match which I thought couldn't get any worse, and then it went to Mainz, which was just complete ineptitude, like we've been saying. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, at this at this point, I don't know if the process looked good even for the um, the DFP Pokal match, but uh, you know, coming up the next game, we got Dusseldorf, which is yeah, you're like, oh, that's great, it's Dusseldorf, but it's also you know, we we just played Mainz and look how we played against Mainz, and if we played the same way against Mainz, Dusseldorf is going to wipe the floor with us, even though we beat them whatever, you know, five two or whatever earlier this season or something, and then Bremen's right around the corner after that before the City matchup, and then and then RB Leipzig, so. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, this brief run of easier fixtures, we've squandered the first two of them, getting one point from six. And uh, I mean, who cares at this point, obviously? I mean, we're not making Europe anyway. What are we, like 14 points behind yeah. that? Yeah, maybe if we had won a couple of these, we'd be 
10 or less or, you know, closer to that. And we'd still have something to maybe try to reach. But, um, yeah, our, our only hopes for anything at this point are Champions League and, and DFB Pokal. But if things keep going the way they're going, if you almost kind of want to drop out of those competitions when you can and, and try to make sure we don't get into the relegation zone. Because as I said earlier, I can't believe we're talking about that. But what, 23 points from 23 games? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. It's insane. And we're not too far off that zone at the moment. So we got to yeah. be careful because if, if we have a couple more results like this, it's going to start getting real hairy at the end of the year. Yeah, we always hit five points above the relegation zone. Or, yeah, five points above the relegation zone at the moment. We have 23 points, and then um, 15 and 16 are both at 18 points. So, yeah, if, I mean, if Dusseldorf beats us, they're back in the mix right behind us. So, man, yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, pathetic, really. And to move on to a another pathetic topic, it's... Um, Schalke fans acting poorly, and I'm not talking about the way they confronted the team, but you know, after the Mainz game. No, I'm not talking about that. Um, there's, uh, there's a, article, a couple articles came out saying that uh, there was a city fan that was injured and he's in critical condition. Um, this, this happens all the time. It's not just Schalke. This is the hooliganism, the ultras all around Europe uh, and the world, really. And then you know, they take it out, they take their frustrations out on other, other opposition fans. We don't know if the city fan initiated it or what. But you should never injure somebody to the point. You should never injure somebody. Period. You shouldn't touch them. I get it, do it verbally. But once you get your hands on, that's it's that's crossing the line, and uh, it's unfortunate that someone got injured in this. You know, it doesn't matter what fan it is, but in this case, it was a Manchester City fan, and uh, hope he recovers uh, quickly. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, absolutely terrible, and you hate to have somebody you know who is linked to our club perpetrating something like that. Um, so obviously our thoughts go out to that individual and his family, and we hope he ends up uh, being able to recover fully for sure. And then another th- another incident where I don't think many people, if anybody else caught this, except people those watching uh, on the telecast live or people who are at the game uh, near this, in- this section. So when uh, Mateta, he scored the second goal uh, for Mainz uh, on this, this weekend, uh, so he goes after he, he runs and celebrates to the corner, kicks the corner flag, and it's like a, uh, a strong shock, a contingent right there. And you can see someone in the front row take something, I don't know, his bottle or something, and threw it, at, chucked it at Mateta from like five feet away, five yards away. Um, no one reacted there. None of, the, none of the players reacted or anything like that. But it was, I was like, did I just see that? Like, was that his own fan or was it just someone celebrating? I rewound it, looked at it again. I was like, nope, that was a shock fan throwing a bottle or something at him. Um, that's, that's and again, that's that's very unsportsmanlike. That's that's um, that's ridiculous. That a grown ass man, you know, throwing shit at players. I mean, come on. If you're if you, you're not a kid, you're not a juvenile. Act like a freaking man. Don't freaking throw shit at people. Like, who the hell are you? I mean, what are you, what are you fucking high school? Come on. Well, yeah, it's not Mainz's fault that we're garbage defensively. So yeah. you, your frustration should be directed elsewhere, obviously. Um, not that you should be throwing shit at your own players either. But No, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the frustration, but the last thing we need as a club is for frustrated fans to start doing stuff like this, injuring opposition fans, throwing things at players. Um, that's not going to solve anything, and that just makes us look worse in the entire process after what's been a you know a pretty dark season for the club in general. So um, not that any of those people are listening to this podcast <laughs> and are going to care what we say, but uh, yeah, we sincerely hope that 
we try to be as positive as possible and be respectful and you know, come out of this whole situation looking as best as we possibly can, given the situation. And, and this, these kind of behaviors are not the way to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about uh, from this past week of misery? Not really, man. Um, yeah, I, this has not been the most eloquent podcast <laughs> on my part. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of at a loss for it. Like I said earlier, I, I've never turned off a Shalke match in my life before, and I, I turned off the Mines game prematurely. Um, and I think that should say it all in terms of how things are going this season. Um, it's been, it's been really bad, and it just seems to be getting worse. We've been holding out hope for a very long time. You know, maybe we can turn this around, and even if we don't, you know, get anywhere near Europe or anything get some good results and, and, you know, finish out the season feeling, you know, halfway decent about things and, you know, looking forward to next year, but it just kind of, nothing seems to be changing. Um, and that's, that's, that's really frustrating. So I, you know, I hope that Schalke are able to announce a replacement for Heidel sooner rather than later. So that person has even, you know, even more time prior to the off season to take a hard look at the squad and, and plan out what they want to do and how they want to approach it and, you know, start targeting, some players potentially targeting a coach if, if, if Tedesco ends up being on the chopping block. Um, and, you know, then, then onwards and upwards from there. Well, Shaka fans, you're listening in. Uh, what do you make of uh, our, uh, our assessment of the team? Are we too harsh? Are we not harsh enough? Uh, tell us your thoughts at SO4 Podcast on Twitter. Jack, I remember that uh, we changed the handle, so... Uh, at so 4 podcast on Twitter. I didn't forget that. Um, <laughs> that will wrap this one up. Uh, we want to, I guess, thank Shalko for the tidbits on our podcast today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shalko US newsletter and also make sure to go to the team store, take advantage of all the great deals. <laughs> Special shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. Jack, uh, would you like to plug anything? Where can our followers find you on Twitter? They can find me, as always, at J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. But also, yes, we, the podcast has a website now. We do. It, it is not the most aesthetically pleasing website on the planet, but it is a website nonetheless. Um, still very much under construction and not fully fleshed out to you know what we want it to be. But if you do go to the website, which is so4podcast.com, um, you will see uh, links to our social media, uh, an embedded SoundCloud player where you can listen to our latest episode and the episodes before that, you know, links to iTunes as well. Um, a, a match highlights playlist on YouTube that's embedded in there so you can catch um, highlights of the most recent games. And, uh, yeah, a space to contact us as well if you have any questions or want to reach out to us for some reason through a mechanism other than... Twitter, but yeah, feel free to go check out um, the official internet home of the podcast. We finally have a nice little internet home for ourselves, so that's that's exciting. So4podcast.com Easy enough to remember. Uh, yeah, make sure you go to the website and check it out. It's uh, it's ever developing as this podcast is, so uh, uh, stay with us and uh, you'll see all the great improvements. We'll get to it. So, um, I'm your host, uh, Richard Carmen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter. Give me a follow on Instagram. You can even give me a follow on YouTube. I'm trying to make some videos uh, just uh, uh, behind the scenes of a podcast and then whatever musings I have. So uh, feel free to go there as well. Um, on that note, until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready and we'll be with you soon. 
Tschüss.